Okay. You feel you're great at visual storytelling, but you're really not satisfied with the finished video. The rendering seems a bit off. You're wondering what you can do to make the renders look more realistic. Well, stay tuned, because in this episode, number 2128, Bill and Sean Johnston, the CG Bros, will be doing a deep dive into the subject of rendering a video when they answer the commonly asked question, how do I make my renders look more realistic? On the CG Bros CG Insider Podcast. Well, hello, and thanks for joining us again for this edition of the CG Insider Podcast, episode number 2128. Um, We received this excellent question on our Ask Us Anything page uh, submitted by Rick H. from Sacramento, and he asks, how do I make my renders look more realistic? What an excellent question, Rick. Thanks for submitting that. By the end of today's podcast, not only will Rick know the answer to that question, but you'll know the answer to what exactly rendering is, uh, at least as far as CGI is concerned, but you'll also get some of our insights into what tools and techniques you can use to help make your renderings more realistic. You're also gonna learn a little bit of history behind the rendering process and get uh, our suggestions on some things you should consider when trying to render your um, CGI to look a little bit better. Um, I'm Sean Johnston, one of your hosts for today's podcast. And I'm Bill Johnston, the other host of today's podcast. And we're the CG Bros. So let's just start discussing this. Uh, what do you, what is meant by the term rendering, is, bro? Well, <laughs> rendering is the process of heating meat so that the fat's melted away uh, for use in cooking and other things. I render bacon fat from my bacon every week, and I use rendered bacon fat to cook all kinds of things from potatoes and Brussels sprouts to green beans and chili and, and really basically everything else. Yummy. Yes. Oh, is that, that's not what we're talking about today? No. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. Why don't you go ahead and, and fill us in? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. We're, um, textbook definition of is rendering of an image synthesis, uh, the process of generating a photo re- photorealistic or non-photorealistic image from a 2D or 3D model by means of a computer program. Um, that's normally what we mean uh, when it relates to CGI. And the resulting image is referred to as the render. So, to re, uh, reproduce or represent by artistic means, the 3D render is a process of, of the computer taking that raw information from a 3D scene, pop materials and lighting, and calculating that final result. So the output is usually a single image or a series of images, and it's rendered and compiled together, and you can make a movie out of it. Um, so it's, it's basically the term rendering is analogous to uh, the concept of an artist's impression of a scene. Um, so it's just basically the computers. The computer is actually drawing the picture. Is really what rendering is. It's it's drawing the picture of your scene. Yes. Uh, yeah. In an image. It's, and it's usually the the final phase of any three D creation process. With the um, you know the exception of being uh, taking your render into Photoshop for post processing, color grading, and that kind of thing. If you want to do that. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, that's that. That's I, I knew what rendering was. I was just being funny. Oh, of course, of course. <clears throat> Well, why don't we go ahead and uh, touch on some of the history of of uh, rendering as far as CGI is concerned? Uh, where did where did CGI uh, rendering begin? Um, I mean, we we've heard terms such as you know raster rasterizing and you know blend and fongs and photorealism and all sorts of different terms. What what where did it all start? Well, before you know, there are computers. Uh, uh, people manually drew three D renderings. Uh, and engineering and science uh, in communicated the dimension of reality just when they're drawings. Oh, like architectural renderings, you know, people yeah. are, you know, built, drawing the buildings before they build them. Actually, and art, artists, they actually called them artist renderings. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that 
that I kind of think about when, you know, when I was thinking about um, rendering in the computer is, you know, almost like when you take a dot to dot um, uh, color coloring book and you draw the lines for like a picture of a, a hand or a face um, and you connect all those dots and then you start shading those things in with a pencil or a crayon and, and eventually you have this really good looking face. That's kind of the way I think about it um, as far as rendering and then the computer pretty much does the same thing. Um, and that's when you're asking about the history of it. Uh, you know, a lot of that was started uh, in the 70s, kind of like from 68 to 74. Um, and a, a, a guy named uh, Ivan Sutherland um, mm-hmm. is widely regarded as the father of computer graphics. And that comes to, to mind. And he was a professor at the University of Utah. And among his students at that time, um, for their, um, I guess their master's program, PhD, they, uh, there was a, a man named um, uh, Ed Catmull. And he was one of the main students there that was doing a, um, um, a, um, a class project. Um, and by basically doing a plastic apparatus of his left hand, he then took that ripping it off of his hand. Unfortunately, he didn't use either um, Vaseline or he didn't shave his hand. It took all the hair <laughs> off his hand. <laughs> um, but he, he took that, uh, his left hand and he, he marked off dot to dots all over it and created he, basically triangle polygons on the surface of it. Then took a digitizer and manually entered those, those points into the computer. Sounds and, like a man, manual scan. Yeah, and, and it looked, uh, I mean, looks in today's standards primitive, um, but yeah. you look back at, at, at the film he made 50, uh, nearly 50 years ago, um, you know, it's, it's called The Computer Animated Hand. That's the title of the, the 1972, um, basically the computer, the first computer animated short film um, at the time. And so you see this hand, his hand rotating around and, and, um, and, and then, you know, pointing and gener- and rotating around. And then also there's a, there's a face in there as well that is shown in that exact film, um, which somebody did that, uh, did a rendering of his, of his wife's face by doing the same thing, connecting all those dots and creating polygons. Yes, I think um, Catmull also um, invented this, uh, or kind of pioneered the Z-buffer. Uh, What's that? Uh, Z-buffer is, is the depth shader in, in computer graphics. It's used to, to determine the depth um, of something in the scene. And you can add uh, effects based on the Z-buffer values, uh, which basically steps back into the Z, which is, you know, you're, you've got your X and Y, which is your up and down, and then Z goes into the space, you know, forward and backwards. Right, so you're looking into you your screen, it goes straight back into the screen to the back of the computer monitor, for example. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. deep, deep into the image. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, the 70s, you, you talked about, uh, you know, the 70s being the real, uh, kind of the heyday, well, beginning, I should say, not even the heyday, today is like the heyday, but, you know, the real beginning of computer graphics and rendering as we know it today with, you know, I had mentioned raster, graf- uh, raster graphics and, you know, the, the garage shader, uh, which was a diffuse lighting uh, model. Isn't that Garo? Uh, is it, it might be Garo, you know, I, Sean, you, you, I don't know. That's, that's, well, and Fong in 1974, which, which uh, dealt with specular lighting and uh, Blinn came around in 1974 to render uh, curved surfaces, smooth curved surfaces. 
Um, so all and, those things, just kind of those those things you're talking about, are just basically allowing the 3D character or a 3D object in the computer to have a shading around it that's realistic. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, to be represented in in it with with some for, sense of realism, exactly. Right. Uh, they were still kind of faceted back then, and then uh, Crow came along in 1977 and and uh, introduced anti-aliasing, which which gave everything a very nice, smooth, and beautiful appearance. So instead um, of jagged edges, it would be nice and smooth around the edges. That's what you're saying, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And then and in the early 1980s, uh, global illumination kind of came around, which uh, allowed you to use uh, very few lights in your scene, which would actually allow you to light your whole scene with a single light, which was uh, not, not capable, you know, not, a, you weren't able to do that uh, prior to that time. And then in 19, later in 1980, ray tracing uh, was introduced as well, um, which basically uh, follows the ray of light uh, and, and gives you uh, reflections and uh, things like that. Um, and in 1985, radiosity was invented. And so those are the, those are the main uh, main types of shading uh, technologies that were uh, that were uh, early on, uh, and they're, they're still used today, actually. And they're the basis for what we're, what uh, what's being used today. You know, what's fascinating is uh, Ed Catmull um, was uh, one of the founders of Pixar. Um, he went on because his, he was so successful with this. I mean, I think the equipment they were using at that part at, at University of Utah was funded by um, possibly um, some um, defense contractors. I don't know hundred percent, but mm. um, I know that the, the face animation in that um, first film um, was uh, took about two and a half minutes to render each of those black and white frames um, on hardware. That was probably in the ballpark of like around 400 grand mm. in, you know, 1972 and mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing to consider how far we've come today. Um, we render, you know, 3D and an order of magnitude more complex in real time, upwards of 60 frames a second on, you know, just cheap hardware. Um, and it makes you excited about what the future um, obviously must hold for us, you know. Well, technology is really amazing. And I, you know, back back in the 80s when they had come out with, you know, a ray tracing. Uh, and then, you know, the first time I'd really seen that implemented was in Terminator 2 with the uh, with the T was a T. T2000 or whatever, mm -hmm. the, the, the liquid uh, Terminator. Mm -hmm. I mean, when, when, when you could see the environment reflected in the CG character, I mean, that was the first true, and we talked about this in our, what makes, uh, you know, what makes CG uh, integration into live action. Um, that, that was a stunning to see, to actually see, see a CG. I mean, that, that's what actually put the character in the environment was being able to see the environment reflected uh, via the ray tracing uh, into the character. It was, it was just amazing. So a lot of the ray tracing you're talking about, uh, my understanding is it's, it actually takes a ray of light from the, from the eye of the, of the person looking at the, um, the computer screen, takes that ray and then and traces the, the ray back down through like refraction of, let's say a diamond or glass or um, ice, you know, and refracts all that light all over the place into that. So it looks realistic. Yeah, bounces. Um, yeah. yeah, and so a lot of the a lot of those calculations take a ton of uh, CPU power in order to render that um, to the screen, so you have something that looks realistic. Um, you know, back in the day when we were trying to render, you know, cinematics for some of the early planets or uh, some of the, I always say, I always think about Planet Side Two and PS Two. I always mix those things up. On um, PlayStation, um, the original PlayStation and the PlayStation Two, when you're trying to render these things and cinematics to put on there. Um, uh, using 3D Studio Max, it just took forever 
to render the ref- you know, all those reflections that were taken into account, everything in the scene, um, you know, characters and lights and, um, you know, all those different things take, take forever. And so obviously they had to make um, optimizations um, at that point because, you know, it would take you forever. You'd never get anything done. Remember when it took uh, it took weeks to render a Vista Pro, a realistic environment using Vista Pro? Yes, I do. <laughs> I do. And that didn't have any ray tracing at all. I think it was just just shadows and terrain, right? I mean, it wasn't maybe some no, clouds, that's true. fractal clouds. Well, that, uh, yeah, they had some volumetric uh, effects there. And, and that's a that's a really good uh, point. And, and, and uh, why don't I go ahead and, and jump off and ask you, you know, what, you know, we've been talking about realistic and, and making things render in a realistic way. What, what does realistic actually mean? You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about uh, that question and it's, it's um, realistic is, is really about the visual details or, or the level of detail that you put into your CGI character or your CGI environment. Um, you look at stuff from the 1990s, uh, early '90s, when CGI was starting to explode, and everybody was trying to render these, um, you know, characters, and they didn't have enough RAM in their computer, or, you know, they, they, there was no um, skinning at that point where um, you could skin your character really well and things deformed correctly and, and looked realistic. Um, it was difficult to get things to look real, um, even with the t- technology, you know. In, which was really really cool and is available on your PC. So um, realistic means look looks real. That's kind of what we're saying I would here. Say is it looks it, real? Yeah. I mean, you look at the world around you, and you try and 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 uh, even if you're if you're doing something, well, look at water surfaces and um, you know metal surfaces and you know bouncing light from you know if you look at a scene and you have lights on that are being coming through natural light coming through a window for example that that light comes down and bounces on it let's say you have a red bedspread well that that light bounces off the red bedspread and it and it reflects back onto all the walls around it and so you're getting basically illumination from the bed that's coming out of the from the window and so mm-hmm. that more and more calculations are needed to get that um, the light to, to look realistic. And as technologies increased um, with, you know, GPU, CPU, RAM, you know, you're able to create more and more realistic things that you can uh, getting to a point where it's hard to tell what's real and what's not, um, yeah. you know, and that's called, that's basically bounce, bounce light or, or, or radiosity. Is that what you yeah, said? Radiosity, radio? global yeah, illumination, okay. Gotcha. Uh, those things, uh, you know, I think lighting probably has more, um, you know, textures and lighting obviously have more to make your CGI look realistic than, than anything else. Cause you can even take something that is a low polygon, uh, character or a low polygon, uh, object, let's say a ball or, uh, um, you know, block and just stick it there in, in uh, a scene. And if your light is hitting it just, just right, it, it looks just like something, a real box. It's just sitting there. I mean, you can see a, a you know, they, they have these um, boxes that they create where you have, um, you know, a couple boxes of the green, red, and uh, um, walls in some of the, when you're getting into CGI, they have, um, you know, you can see, uh, I, I forgot they call it Fresnel box, I believe. Um, and then uh, they have lights bouncing all over the place in, in the walls and all over the objects, a sphere and a box. And it looks real. It looks like some somebody just created that. It's it's amazing how look how realistic that looks. 
You know, I have to agree with you. And for those um, of us in the the world of digital art, you know, we spend, uh, like you said, a lot of time making up fantastical worlds and creatures and and characters. And and uh, basically, we're in the in the business of creating things that don't exist. Um, and you know, a lot of artists that start out, you know, they say, "Oh, I I don't want to make anything that's realistic. I I just want to kind of work in my own style." And that's perfectly fine. Um, but you know, you want to keep in mind that you know, uh, at least you, you, you want to be able to, to create things that are realistic. Um, and so, you know, uh, you've probably heard that the, what the old adage that you need to learn the rules so you can break them. Um, that kind of applies here. So being, being a, a good art, part of being a good artist anyway, is developing, you know, your technical skills. Um, and, and that, that, and we've talked about this in a lot of podcasts in the past, which is basically to, you know, you want to develop your skills of observation because unless until you know what looks real it's hard to really you know recreate that in the computer computer realm um right but it's easier today i mean it's a lot easier today i mean the original toy story in 1995 took about 117 computers running 24 hours a day for to render each frame of that uh of that movie and you know some of those frames would take from 45 minutes to 30 hours depending on how complex it was um you know so that's Today, well, today, yeah, go ahead. Today, you just push, you just push the make real button. Right? Yes, and then it's just like that; it works. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, they they say there's a Blin's law. I don't know if you've heard of that. You know, as as technology advances, um, the rendering time remains constant, and that's because um, there's a there's a there's always a gap that remains between um, you know the images people would like to be able to render and the images they can actually render. And as computers become faster. You know, creators have continued to increase the the uh, load, you know, com- computational load by, you know, creating more and more complex scenes um, with sophisticated, um, you know, rendering algorithms. Um, so it's just those things like you know, rendering you know, leaves and 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 shadows on the leaves and trees and and rocks in the ground and you know all the things you would have in a in an actual scene if you're trying to recreate something in reality. All those yeah. things you know have light that hits them and, and shadow and color and all of them need texture and all those things more and more. That's why a lot of them use layers and layers and layers too, obviously, so you can manage all that stuff. Right. Right. And and yes. And as powerful as, and capable as some computers, like you mentioned, have have come become at crunching, you know, the, doing the number crunching, Mm -hmm. um, they're nowhere near as powerful enough that that they need need to be to actually calculate the actual behavior of light or, or the infinite, uh, subtleties and variations of the light that that actually occur in the real world. I mean, our, our world is is blessed with infinite uh, infinite detail. I mean, you can you can look at something, and then you magnify that, and you see you know more details. You magnify that, and you see even more details. I mean, there's infinite number of uh, levels of detail, I should say, in the real world. And the computer just is not set up to calculate all those things. I mean, all those things that our eyes perceive and that that, that make something real to us. Um, just can't be calculated by the computer. I mean, it, it, computer speeds are getting faster and faster, but as you said, rendering times are not reducing because they're actually able to just calculate more of the real world in order to get a, a more realistic uh, image out of the computer. Right. I have an I have example here um, that I can show you um, that's I put together that actually has a, a Toy Story um, image. And let me know if you can see this. Can you see the image here? Yeah. So you see here is the original Toy Story and um, look at the characters. And you mean, it's amazing that the, the amount of detail you see today. I mean, her, her eyes are really flat. Um, you can see, you know, you can see some reflections, but they look pretty, pretty primitive. 
She has like mm-hmm. no cloth that's really uh, you know around here as far as her dress is concerned. Look at the Toy Story four. Look at the look at that. It looks real. It's beautiful. So you, so you still have you know stylistic toy looking characters, but look how much real. And then they're using depth of field in the background. I mean, just the illumination of this light outside. Um, the you know the depth of field obviously with the background as well as you know Woody in the foreground here. You've got that that blur going on. If and you, even the light, even a single source of light, uh, you've got a nice central source of light, like the sunlight's coming in. It's it's quite nice. Yeah, creating the creating highlights. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, the shadowing looks kind of too uniform, and the light source seems kind of all over the place, just kind of uniform everywhere. You know, there's there'd be there'd be shadows behind his ear here. Um, you know, just I mean, obviously for the time is is what you could render. I mean, like I said, it was ex- very expensive. Um, today's complexity of Toy Story, this one here, um, you know, each each one of the frames uh, go from 60 to 160 hours per frame to render for Toy Story 4. So, and a pretty, pretty interesting fact. Well, so, so what are some of the things that, uh, you know, people can do to to make their renders look better? I mean, and, and maybe, maybe we shouldn't start with, you know, we could talk about some of the tools or, or software that actually make rendering look more realistic more realistic, but why don't we uh, touch a little bit on, on non software specific ways that people can uh, make their renders look a little better. Well, first of all, I would, I would recommend if you're having, you know, just getting into it um, and you want to make your renders look better, take a look at some of the um, like Halon and um, the third floor. Those are companies that do previs for, for movies. Look at some of their full CGI previs. And look at how um, they'll have usually have their previs, and then they'll have the final image of the movie that they're working on. And you'll see the difference in, especially if it's CGI, you'll see mm-hmm. the difference between you know things that don't have any lights. You're trying to do it as fast as they can to just kind of give an animatic or um, you know a representation of of, of the pacing and and the, and the cinematography and things like that. Then you look at the last scene, and you'll see the huge difference of realism there that's first look at something like that um i think attention to detail obviously um you know clothing wrinkles you know lighting um mm-hmm. your textures you know things that look at study images uh, of reality and try and, and duplicate that in the computer you know reflections and um you know, some of those absolutely other so go ahead yeah, I was going to say reference photos, getting reference material of what you're trying to, you know, what you're trying to create or what you're going to render, um, you know, that includes from different angles and positions is is really uh, important because, you know, unless you've got, you know, uh, a, a a photographic memory, right. uh, which some people do have, um, you you want to use uh, photographic reference. And that allows you to really see those details that you're talking about that, that people see in the real world and that, that we all know is there. Um you know, no. yeah, and a lot of a lot of times, I, you know, when I was first getting into CGI, it was like um, none of my objects that I would create, um, and a lot of them weren't, weren't characters at the very beginning, were just um, you know everyday objects, um, and a lot of them, if they're not um, naturally like a maybe a coffee mug or something that has a beveled edge, the light doesn't even hit it correctly. So bevel your your uh, your uh, models as much as you can. Because there's almost no razor sharp edges in nature, um, even man-made objects have a slight roundness. So, um, where, where you know two two surfaces or opposing surfaces meet, you know that beveling helps bring out the detail and really sells that re- realism of your of your model. 
to catch well, highlights. Yeah, because, exactly. Your specular highlights get that. That's where those are picked up. Exactly. Right. Um, but you know, as far as lighting goes, another trick that I, I use uh, to make my renders look better is um, I use um, what are called textured lights. Um, this basically speaks to the other side of, of lighting that, uh, which is the shadow, you know, having good quality shadows. Uh, um, and, and what it's basically what a textured light is, is you use a light that has a, a goby, basically a goby on it or some kind of stencil uh, that say like a, a leaf, you know, a leaf goby or something. If you don't, you know, to, to cast, you know, shadows of, of trees onto your characters in the scene, even if there's no trees there. I remember you did kinda, that. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it really is effective in, in, in creating that illusion of, you know, of, of light being broken up, mm-hmm. which um, is not an easy thing to do. So uh, that's, that's something that the trick that I I've used um, in the past uh, to great effect. Yes. And you can also, you know, things in nature aren't super clean, you know, unless that's your style that you're going for, that's hyper clean. Um, right. So most, this, most, this, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so this goes to, to what you were talking about as far as texturing is concerned. Yeah. You know, and, you know, put scratches, dents, dings, cracks. There's always those kind of imperfections in, in nature. Um, those will, even if you're doing stylized characters, that's, I think mm-hmm. people think that, oh, I'm going to do stylized. So that means it, it needs to be pristine and perfect. No, no. Even those things have imperfections. Um, look at, look at a toy, look at it under, under a mag, magnifying glass and look at all the imperfections that are there. Try and seams and things like that. Um, you know, I'm seeing dirt. I see rust and yes. water stains and fingerprints and all sorts of other you know, stuff that, you know, that, is not typically included uh, or not thought about. And those are the details we're talking about. Right. And you're saying also, I think you're saying, you know, your composition, you know, we, you know, you're rendering your, we, we talked about the rule of thirds last time and, you know, camera settings and finding that right angle for your, for your object or your character or your scene, um, you know, add some asymmetry in that and your poses for your characters. Um, that'll make things look um, a little bit more interesting and more realistic as well. Definitely. And, and we saw in your example, using depth of field, that's a perfect example of, of something that's very subtle, but it's, it's what happens to real world cameras. And that's, that's what you want to do. You want to use real world cameras, real world camera lenses, uh, real, real world camera positioning. You don't want the camera doing, you know, something that real handheld cameras can't, can't really accomplish because that, that betrays the, the illusion of reality right there. Especially now today, when you have all those uh, you know, camera settings in most 3D packages, or I would say all the ma- major ones you have them, you know, Max and, and Maya, um, mm-hmm. th- those those are already there for you. Um, of course, then there's which which rendering uh, package do I want to use? Do I want to use, you know, you know Arnold, Redshift, uh, V-Ray, Pixar, RenderMan. Actually, I just, I just read today, I think they're announcing that it's, if it's not already uh, available for Blender, um, which is really, really, really cool. So, um, you know, there's a and lot of Arnold those, and mental Ray and, yeah. and all sorts. Yeah. You know, I mean, and then there's also, um, if you want to get, let's say you're doing uh, a realistic, um, product, let's say you want to do a, 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 you know, some type of a product. Um, there's also, there's Marmoset tool bag, there's a key shot and there's Maverick render. Those are some of the, the major ones that you can use to do your project, uh, or product visualization for your 3d, um, you know, use the render it and you can rotate around it. You can create little movies of it. Mm-hmm. Um, today is just, it's so much easier to, to make, um, things look realistic than before. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I another uh, thing I would say is use, uh, you know, a trick that I've used to improve my renders, which I would recommend is, is to add, uh, volumetrics you know, or atmospherics, you know, like haze and fog or Great mist point. or mm-hmm. rain, you know, smoke and dust into your scenes. Um, 
you could, I mean, even using uh, strategic lens flares, you know, we're talking about cameras, uh, you know, realistic uh, cameras contain lenses and lenses, uh, you know, treat light in very interesting ways and create these things called lens flares that really, you know, you, you I can never put them into any lens flares ever. <laughs> well, they can be overused. I mean, I, I've seen, you know, where somebody's demo reel is just full of them. I mean, it's, it can be totally overdone, but. Do you remember you know, that you same wanna... one that everybody always used in 3D studio? Yeah. <laughs> that exactly. same one yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. That was so funny. Yeah. And, and uh, to, to, you know, you were talking about also composition. Uh, you know, we, we spoke to, uh, in a, uh, in one of our last podcasts on what makes uh, good thumbnails so important for your video um, is basically, you know, com complying with the rule of thirds. You want to frame your, your scenes nice, nicely. You want to use that uh, rule of thirds because, because it doesn't just apply to still images and, and photography, but to the 3d cameras that you're setting up in your scenes as well. Uh, so you want to, practice positioning things in your scene so that it creates, you know, a, a frame for the scene that draws the viewer's eye automatically to the most interesting or, you know, significant part of the shot that you're trying to focus on. Yeah. And I would also say for, um, you know, if you're doing 3d interiors or things like that, you know, lighting is essential uh, for creating that realism, even in, in indoor, you know, overloading a scene with, you know, you know, lights that don't need to be there can ruin that composition. So, um, you know, you, if you're doing an outdoor scene, let's say, you know, daylight, it affects things in a, in a different way. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of times you can use your, you, if you're doing a night scene or a product scene and you don't have access to like a key shot or some of those other um, product um, packages, you can just use a standard um, three-point lighting setup. So you have your key light, your fill light, and your backlight, just like you do in photography. Um, and so just... And use it that use it that way to get a more natural look. So just just be moderate with your lights, and and you know uh, it'll that'll be show up really really well. Yes, and and something I also like to say is you know um, light lights are probably the number one thing um, that you can do to improve your your shots. Just paying attention to lighting and shadowing is is probably huge. But but I'll be honest with you, if if, if the materials you're using are crap then it doesn't matter how good your lighting is. Your, your scene is going to look, it's not going to look realistic. I, I, I would say, you know, the key to the key to having realistic renders in addition to the lighting is to get the best textures you possibly, the highest quality textures, I should say, that you can possibly get your hands on it. Um, or procedural you know, textures. You know, exactly. Procedural textures really work because you don't have to, you know, you have to worry about tiling issues or and the resolution or, independent. So it's, it's those exactly, are pretty cool exactly. as well. Hey, I know we got to get going, but any last words? I have a, I have a really quick, interesting uh, about rendering. Uh, I might've mentioned it before. Did I tell you about the, the Lion King, the John no. Favreau hid one, no, I didn't. a real life shot in the Lion King, 2019's Lion King. Did, tell me about it. Did you see the movie? I did not see that one. Okay. Well, out of the 1,490 rendered shots, um, all CGI, he slipped in that single shot, which was actually a photograph of Africa. Um, and it was the first shot of the movie that begins the circle of life. Anyway, nice. that was trivia. Nice. Well, you know, last words, last words I, I think for me, what really gives up a, you know, what really betrays uh, real, realism for me, especially as it regards in regards to characters, and they've gotten a lot better on this recently, is was always the eyes of, of characters. They they always were so dead and lifeless, and 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 really lacked uh, really lacked any any humanity or life. They look like dolls' eyes, I agree you with know. You. I, Mm -hmm. And and so there, that, that's one thing that's and that 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 has to do with lighting uh, as well. Um, 
and how light and and, and we, we did not even touch on subsurface scattering which was oh, part of, of ray tracing yeah. uh, which which is really good, uh, goes a long way to making uh, things look realistic in, in in our renders but you know it's really hard about to, that. go ahead i was just gonna i was gonna say that we could talk about that another time well it's really hard to do um something about rendering which is so gigantic of a topic in 30 minutes um it's just not gonna we're not gonna do it justice so you know, uh, we will definitely be talking about more and more and we'll get more into techniques too. I probably took us on to some uh, areas that were not as, uh, hopefully not as uh, bad yeah. as, uh, you know, uh, distracting anyway from sure, what we sure, wanted to sure. talk about. So, well, uh, we want to thank you for being with us for our discussion today on how do I make my renders look more realistic? And we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We really enjoy uh, doing these podcasts and, and we hope that you learned some things along the way that you didn't know. Uh, we explained to you uh, what a rendering was. Uh, we gave you a couple of definitions on that and gave you some other information on uh, some of the history of rendering, um, as well as we discussed some of our personal thoughts uh, on what we think can make your renders look uh, more realistic. And uh, if you enjoyed this podcast or you found it valuable in some way, we, we hope you'll do us a favor and share it with a few of your friends. And uh, join us for a new broadcast uh, episode every every uh, week here on the CG Insider podcast. And as we talk about different subjects related to the business, art and craft of uh, 3D and CGI animation, digital VFX, and other interesting subjects that uh, you bring to our attention. Uh, if you've got a question or subject you'd like to discuss in one of our podcasts, simply leave a comment in the section below if you're watching us on YouTube or head over to our website at thecgrails.com and go to the About Us and, uh, menu and click on the Ask Us Anything. Um, just like who was it oh i, I gosh who, who gave us our gave us our content today oh rick h rick rick rick, rick i apologize sorry, yes sorry rick <laughs> sorry about that rick um and uh, hit the like button on your way out and give us a, a give us a comment you know good bad uh, anything if you're watching us or listening to us uh for the first time click the notification bell so you'll be notified of the next podcast and as a quick reminder you can also find us uh, audio versions of this podcast on all the major audio podcast platforms as well. Absolutely. You can do that. And uh, we look forward to seeing you back here for next week's podcast, episode 2129, where we'll be uh, answering another important question. Uh, what are the methods for modeling CGI characters and CGI environments? Very interesting. We'll see you here next week. All right. Take care. Bye for now. That's it for today. We hope you've enjoyed the CG Pro's answer to the question, how do I make my renders look more realistic? Thanks for being with us. If you're watching on YouTube or other social media, please give us a like and make a comment. If you haven't yet subscribed, please hit the subscribe button and ring the bell so you'll be notified when we post our next podcast. You can listen to our podcasts on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible.com, and Stitcher. If you are listening on Spotify, you can share your podcast to Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr with the share link. That's the circle with the three dots in it. You can contact us on our website at thecgbros.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Tumblr, and Instagram. Oh, and don't forget to tell all your friends about this podcast series. And be sure not to miss the next episode when the CG Bros will answer the question, what are the methods for modeling CGI characters and environments? This has been episode 2128 of the CG Bros CG Insider Podcast. See you next time.